What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to episode 12 of Twigs and Twine. Today, we are joined by co-founder of the Russian Heritage Network, Clarence Pollard. But before we get into that interview, let's say hi to the boys real quick. Alex Muff, what's going on, buddy? I'm not doing too bad. How are you doing? Doing great today. Doing great. Joey Ferlano, what's going on, bud? Not much. Same old. Great to hear. So let's just get into it real quick here. The ageless wonder, Yarmir Yager, he's committed to playing his 34th professional season. He announced it a few, uh, was it yesterday? I want to say. After uh, his team that he plays for and owns, Kladno clinched promotion of the Czech first division for next season. Yager this season in 19 games, plus eight, two goals, 10 assists for 12 points. Is he ever going to stop? I've been saying forever he's going to play 55 minimum he has a love for the game he's still producing i think he's gonna keep going he's not gonna stop let's start with joey and see what you guys think yeah in order to play the game that long you just gotta love it and i think he loves it more than anybody and i believe he's a owner of his team that he's on right Doesn't yeah, he yeah. Part like, of it? at the very least partial owner yeah who's cutting him nobody so i think He's obviously going to play for as long as he can. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we've seen him at 55. This guy keeps going. He's a workhorse. And not only is he still playing, he's also putting up decent numbers as well. So it's going to be fun to see how he competes in the top check division this year. Yeah, I don't think he's going to hit 55 like you guys are saying. The most 50-51. He's going to play out his next year in the D1 league there in in the check and i think that's gonna be it he'll call it quits and i'd like to see him once he finishes his playing career he take up more of a front office role whether it's still with the team Cladno that he's with right now or if he ends up making his way back into the nhl but he's put up 1900 points over his pro career he's just been nothing short of inspirational i guess to all the young hockey fans out there, this is the kind of guy you want to look up to. You know, he's played for a hell of a long time, and he's played the game right. But I think 50, 51 years old, he'll play his next season out in the D1 league, and I think he'll call it a career. Correct me if I'm wrong. Gordy Howe, was he five or six decades? Five. Watch Yager try because Yager's already at five, so I'm, I don't know. That guy, again, he owns the team, so no one's ever going to cut him. Watch him come back and play in, the, in 2030. I, don't, I mean, mean, even if it's just for one shift, just to say you did it. I mean, no, no, imagine? it's not even what I'm saying. What I'm saying, realistically, he still looks like he's fucking ripped. He's 49 right now. He's gonna be 15 next February. Considering that the Czech Republic, it's still great hockey, but it's not like you're playing in the KHL. It's not like you're playing in the NHL. Whatever. I would not be surprised if I see him. And again, this is still pushing it a lot, but like. 20, 20, 29, 20, 30. I don't know. Listen, Yager, he loves the pro lifestyle. I've heard stories of that guy dating back to when he first started playing. I don't know. Call it a hot take. In 10 years, if Yager's still playing, you can come and say, uh, I, I said it first, but I don't know. I have a feeling because this guy, first, he, lo- he, he loves the game. He said it himself. He's like, he said he loves the game more than anything else. That's why he's never married. That's why he's never had any kids on purpose. I wouldn't be surprised if he has a few down in pittsburgh <laughs> did i ever tell you guys the yager story that i heard uh from the 90s in the at the ozzy osbourne concert no so i'm not 100 sure if i could talk about this but on my old show that i was on broly talks hockey which great podcast anyone that's listening give it a listen uh, after you listen to this episode great guy who runs it we were interviewing a guy uh he's a pens reporter for the athletics name's josh yohi he was telling us a story about how Yager, how once like in the 90s at a Ozzy Osbourne concert, one of his buddies went with his girlfriend to the Ozzy Osbourne concert, saw Yager there, and Yager went up to the guy's girlfriend and said, like, start talking to her, goes to the guy and says, your girlfriend, she's mine now, she's coming home with me tonight. 
Uh, he seems like the kind of guy that would be able to pull that off, though. I wouldn't Don't put it me, past but I think him. he did. Don't quote me, but I think he did pull that off. I, <laughs> wow. Big ups. See, he's skilled in a lot of different areas. He's not just good at hockey, man. Come on. He loves the game. He loves the pro lifestyle. Like, the fact that he loves the like, the lifestyle where he can just go and, like, he's, he can use that whole pro hockey player title mm-hmm. and that NHL Hall of Famer title in a, in a couple of years. Actually... I think it could even be as early as next year when he gets inducted because he's still he hasn't played in the league for three years now. More. Since twenty seventeen, eighteen. So yeah, it could be as early as next season. I mean, he loves game. You can love the game and everything, but it's a matter of if you really want to put in those three, four hour training sessions every single day. If you really want to keep going up. Yeah. Like fifty years old and you want to put in three, four hours of training. And then you go out on the ice, you're playing a physical sport. You're getting hit, you're getting bumped out there, and it takes a toll on your body. So I think just one more year in that D1 league, and I think that's a very good career. You can call it there. I don't know. I'm going to just say something, and we're going to leave it at that and move on to the next topic. But I think that if his body can handle it, he'll be there. He'll be the first pro to play in six decades. And I'm not saying a one-shift thing like what Gordie Howe did in the 90s with, was it Toledo in the uh, IHL? I'm not 100% sure what the team was, but yeah. Anyways, so moving on, uh, the Seattle... Alex, you want to finish the name? No, you got it, big guy. You can do it. <laughs> the Seattle Kraken, they are officially the 32nd NHL team finishing off and are having their final payment of the uh, their $650 million fee paid off and approved. So they're officially the 32nd team able to go and sign players, make trades, and do everything of the sort like a normal team would in preparation for their expansion draft at the end of the season. I don't know the exact date. I want to say it's sometime mid to late June. Question is, what's their first move? With Vegas, for example, they went out and signed Reed Duke, overager from uh, the WHL, if I'm not mistaken. I want to say Brandon, the weekends, but... Anyways, what do you think their first move is? Because when I was reading the article, it specifically said they can make trades as well, which I don't know. I'm curious how long until they start making trades with teams for preferential treatment at the expansion draft like Vegas did uh, a few years ago when they made away like bandits. But I think they ended up with like three first round picks, four seconds or something stupid like Mm -hmm. that. You can make a lot of deals, but we all know in all professional sports, well, for the most part, 90% of deals, they're always run by a coach. And if a coach likes that, likes the player they're getting in return, and if they're okay with sending out that player, I still think they have to sign a coach first before they can make any, I don't want to say logical, because I guess you can make logical moves. But if you really want to go about this in the right way, I think you have to sign a coach. That's my opinion. Who do you think that coach is going to be? Uh, I still going to say Gerard Gallant. Going to, I mean, I know we've had the conversation like in two different episodes. Tortorella, Gallant, Boudreau, we've all thrown these names around, but I think Jared Gallant's the best pick. Joey? Yeah, I'm going to agree with Moff. Can't sign anybody until you have a coach. All coaches are different. They have a different idea of how they want their team to be ran, who they want in their lineup. I am going to agree with Moff, yeah. You need a coach before you can make any big moves like that. And as far as who do I think they sign, I'm not too sure. I'm not really going to talk on that part. I'm not too good at the coaching aspect, as you guys know. I'm more of a hands-on player type of guy, but uh, you need a coach before you can sign. You're sticking with the Gerard Gallant to to seattle i'm gonna have to agree with you on that i know i mentioned tortorella in every single situation ever but i think it's gallant who's more likely to go to a team like seattle as opposed to a coach like a torts because 
whatever, that's the hill I'm going to die on. Torch will forever be in this league until he doesn't want to be anymore, which I think we'll get to that if we have some time later on the end of the show. But I'm going to say right now, uh, Gallant. Anyways, Alex, what were you saying? No, I was just going to say that we've seen what Gallant did with Vegas in their inaugural season, going to the West final, no, Stanley Cup final, right? Yeah. And they lost to Washington. So I think he'll be a perfect fit in an expansion team, 100%. Yeah, now that you mention it, I completely forgot about uh, Gallant's time with Vegas uh, in the inaugural season. But yeah, that just further proves the point. Yeah, I'm going to, again, I completely agree with you. I think at this time next year, we're going to have Gerard Gallant back coaching another expansion team. Not Anyways, only that, they'll be in the finals. They'll be in a conference finals. You're saying conference finals minimum for Seattle next year? High hopes, baby. He's the man to do it. I can't think of anybody else that'd be able to put up that order. Bring back Scotty Bowman at eighty four, at eighty five, coaching a team. No, let him chill in his recliner. He doesn't need more stress. <laughs> recliner? He's still uh, in the league. No, I know he should be in a freaking recliner, but I don't know. He, not not him. He's working with his son. I think his son's his boss as a senior advisor with Chicago. I know he's working with Chicago. I just don't know the position he's in. Now, I want to say senior advisor, but I could be wrong. Because I remember reading an article. I don't, I don't remember where it was. I want to say the Hockey News, where it was talking about how he lives in Tampa. He All he does is he goes from his house to the uh, Amelie Arena, or whatever it's, the, the arena is yeah, called, for, Tampa, uh, yeah. for, Tampa, yeah, for Tampa games every now and then. It's, big, it's the same thing as Cliff Fletcher. What do you think he does in Toronto? It seems like all he does is just go to games and act as in a quote-unquote advisory role where he just goes there and he's been with the team forever so just give him a or his name on the uh on the staff sheet and give him a paycheck every year a pension plan what a life the life we all hope for to live out our golden years getting paid to fuck all with with a pro team and still have our name on the cup if the team wins i'm dreaming anyways i think it's perfect time to uh to hand it off to our interview with clarence pauler we hope you guys all enjoy we are proud to have on the show today Clarence Pauler, co-founder of the Russian Heritage Network and longtime contributor for the Professional Hockey Players Association. Clarence, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you doing? Doing beautiful. Thank you very much for asking. All right, let's get right into it. So you've been involved with the PHPA since 2015 as a contributor. Take us through how you were able to get an offer to work as a writer for such a, a prestigious association. Aside from the NHLPA is considered to be like the biggest player association, obviously in North America, but this encapsulates KHL, European hockey, American hockey, hockey all over the world. So how are you able to get a position within the PHPA? Yeah, so the PHPA is the biggest sports union in North America. It's actually the AHL and the ECHL. And basically, honestly, when I was you know, growing up, finishing up my couple last year's university, I was working at a hockey department. So I always knew hockey. I played it my whole life. And so when I finished my communications degree, or towards the end of it from Simon Fraser in Vancouver, basically I realized, hey, I have an arts degree here. You know, what do you do with this thing? I know a lot of people get in this boat where you have this degree, this brand new piece of paper, and you don't know what to do with it. And so I was like trying to think of, you know what, how do I build my portfolio? How do I stand out? Because it's very competitive. Once you finish school, you realize that there's like literally thousands of other graduates, all with the same degree, all from the different schools. And you're kind of like, wow, like what now? You just paid so much money to get educated. So I decided, hey, it's like hockey is one of the things that, you know, always loved since I was a child. Honestly, since when I was a kid, because my family roots are Russian. And back in Vancouver in the days where I'm from, you know, there was not many Russians there. So my family actually knew Igor Laryana, Pavel Bure, these were, you know, legends. So I think that hockey thing has always been with me since the earliest of my days. And so I just reached out to the PHP and I said, hey, like, I'm looking to just gain some experience and I just want to, like, write and contribute and, you know, be of value, be of service. That's always my greatest advice to anyone. So we live in a society where it's all like me, 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 me. But the 
best thing you can do is give. Find something you're passionate about, something that resonates with you. And that's exactly what I did. And I just volunteered my time. I would do interviews, evenings and weekends and do it as much as I could because I said to my dad, I'm like, you know, I might not make NHL as a player, but I'll make it in another way. And somehow I'll do it. And sure enough, I did. And, you know, then I used my heritage. So I was able to interview a lot of Russian players and do it in Russian, but then write it in perfect English to give it to everybody so they could actually know who this player is and kind of give them an opportunity to show themselves to everyone more than they could otherwise. So I think it's like a really important thing is to give back and find your passions. And it sounds cliche, but uh, something that I did, and that's how I built my uh, hockey portfolio. Uh, so what would you say was your breakthrough article, breakthrough interview? What do you think put you out, built your prominence within the journalist community? Yeah, I got to interview a uh, legendary Darius Kasparaitis, one of the best hitters of all time, just legendary. Guys like Jimmy Howard, I would say those are the ones that really stand out, but I've done so many that it's not fair to say it stands out the most because each player's story is so unique, so authentic. So many guys, they'll play in the AHL for years. These are character guys. These guys are the best athletes you've ever seen. Just so committed to the game. And the yeah, NHL is all the spotlight, but these guys are competing just that hard in the AHL, right? In the ECHL. So I've told so many stories and everyone is truly inspirational. I can't say I have like one, you know, the ones that stand out the most, but I think every player's story stands out to me. And honestly, the biggest honor to tell their stories and to you know, spend the time with them and to see just, you know, how humble, how caring, how nice they are. And just something that I'll always be thankful for. Yeah, that's a good point. I just have a quick question. Obviously, you've interviewed a bunch of players and you said that none of them stand out to you. But is there one in particular that whenever somebody asks about it, just comes in your mind and you would just have to tell the story? Well, it's not that none of them stand out. They all stand out. I mean, they're all yeah. really incredible. Like just to make the NHL is incredible. So I just want to emphasize that they're all super incredible. One of my favorites, I guess, then will be like Anton Hudobin, like his story of how he made the NHL and you see how amazing he is. But that consistency, never, never give up. Like you go... You know, whatever it takes, back and forth from NHL to the NHL over the years, you know, backing up like guys like Tuka Rask, how we took those lessons, came back. Honestly, that's so inspirational. Because that's like life, you know, sometimes, you know, make the big leagues and, you know, then you go get sent down and come in and you get a job and lose a job and then you get back up. Hockey is life, man. Like hockey is literally, it can be applied to everything in life and the team aspect and showing up every day with your workman boots and playing hard. And I think Anthony Hudobin is a story that resonates so deeply with me. And he's such a humble, caring, amazing, probably the, one of the best guys you've ever met, like just a genuine, amazing human being. And, you know, I, I love the story and it's inspirational to me. But again, like I said, they're all inspirational to me. I really love every interview that I did. Like we mentioned at the beginning, you were one of three co-founders of the Russian Heritage Network, correct? Well, it starts with two, me and uh, my partner in Florida, Alexander Braverman. And he's the original guy. Like, I really want to give a spotlight to him because he started this a few years ago with the Florida Panthers. He lives there and he's been bringing teams over from Russia, junior teams, like kids teams to play hockey in the Florida area. And he was helping develop hockey in the area when there wasn't even any hockey at all. So he's actually a realtor and he ended up, you know, working with tons of the players and helping them out. And that's how he built his reputation with them. And this was his idea. He actually created one year and guys like Novetchkin came out. Like the Russian players on both teams came out and met the fans. And it was really cool. So Alex just noticed me when he saw one of my articles with, at the time, Florida Panthers, Genny Dadnov, who's now with the uh, Senators, I believe. You know, he saw my article, he reached out to me and said, hey, can you help me build this? I see you share common roots. And I said, yeah, let's do it. And so we started approaching other teams with our formula and started, you know, the second year we had five teams and then it grew. 12 teams last year before COVID hit, two had to be canceled, unfortunately, but we did have 10. And each team is unique. Every city, we try to bring in a cultural aspect, like some, you know, dancing, Russian food, 
Russian entrepreneurs like with a robot come out with this robot to talk to fans, interact. It's a super high tech robot. You know, the group photo after the game, but the group photo isn't important. What's important is bringing out everyone together and so they can really be proud of their heritage and showcase this heritage with Canadians and North Americans and everyone else. Because if you guys ever really see the media, like Russia is portrayed in a certain way. And it's just unfortunate because the Russian people, Russian spirit is very friendly, kind, caring, and no one ever really thinks about them or talks to them too much. So what we do is we try to bring them out into the spotlight because otherwise they're just like quiet, low-key people that you would never know, right? And they love hockey. The sport, what's beautiful is it brings everyone together. And so that's what we do. And when I say Russian, we mean Russian speaking. It's anybody. It's literally every group of people that used to be united. It's Canadians, Americans who have an interest or maybe they're married to someone with Russian roots. Maybe their grandparents were. So we really try to make something really cool and special and just unite it with, you know, Canada, America and on the other groups, you know, Europeans. Because guys like Barkov, like he was born in Finland to Russian parents. Guys like Dmitry Askin, they used to play on the Blues. And Capitals, he was born in Czech Republic, but his dad was from Russia playing as a pro. So you, you understand that there's like this big historical connection. Another big fan of RHN is Alexander Hirogiev of the Rangers. He's from Bulgaria. So what we try to do, like I said, we try to bring everyone together and showcase our culture in a very positive light. And it's been wonderful. And a lot of teams already came on board and we just try to grow it year after year. Well said, like you mentioned, it was originally Russian Heritage Night. But from there, how did it break off to the Russian Heritage just network in general? Yeah, so Russian Heritage Network is when we realized we had something much bigger than just theme nights, you know, because we had started to see our Facebook page explode. We had more and more hockey players come on board, retired players. We have legendary Slava Petisov, Kirman Titov. You look at the list of alumni, Nick Ashenkov, Alex Ponorovsky, Darius Kasparaitis, Vali Vishnyevsky, Valerie Burry, Pavel Burry. Like the list goes on of all the Mikhail Grabowski. We've literally grew something much bigger. And then we had UFC and boxing champions like Alexei Elenik in the UFC. Uh, Andrea Olovsky, Marina Moroz, and then into the boxing world, Sergey Crusher, Kovalev. And so you can kind of see that this became much bigger because, you know, they have those other athletes also have kids that like hockey. So hockey really brings everyone together. And because it's not just hockey, we're trying to do sport and healthy lifestyle and showcase that kids. You know, we live in a time where kids are glued to their screens and playing little games. Call me old-fashioned or old-school, but I'd much rather be outside playing, you know, ball hockey or basketball or whatever, right? Just being in the fresh air. And so I'm just trying to give that back to the kids, I think, because I think it's important. And so that's kind of the idea where Network came in because it grew so much bigger than just these nights. And that's where our third partner, Stephen Wong, came in. And he, he's pretty famous in his own right. He's from the Toronto area. He's a black belt. He's trained, you know, top athletes in the world. He's has competitors of one, you know, Mr. Olympia or things like that, like very high level competitions that his training system helped him win. He's, you know, a social media expert. He has a PhD. He knows how to create campaigns from start to finish. So we decided that, hey, we need a guy like that that could help us kind of do the big picture things because now we do branding with players and we align players with the brand and tell the story. So that's where it went from the nights, which is where it started into the network. And now it's a global thing around the world. And we're doing, you know, currently we're doing some, you guys, it's way before your time, but way before my time even, but we're doing a celebration to remember the 1972 Summit Series, which is one of the most historic hockey events ever to have happened. And we're doing, we want to do stuff with the locomotive tragic plane crash. We want to remember their memory and that's 10 years coming up. So, you know, everything that we do, it's really deep and worldwide and yeah, just something really cool to be doing. Uh, well said. And I know you've had t chats with like the league and had meetings with the player association. I, this is just out of the blue. Like, I don't know if you can tell us this, if you're allowed to, if this is even uh, a possibility, because I know in the past it used to be like the North America versus the world all-star game style. Like, has there been any, anything like that that you could tell us about like, any events that you guys have in the works? 
Honestly, not really in that sense. We want to do some like maybe alumni games or some Russian alumni. I mean, a lot live in Florida or come from Florida. And so obviously we can do something there and maybe we'll do something to remember, um, you know, the locomotive team. Like uh, we have some plans, but honestly, like uh, it's still in the early phases. Stay tuned for that. I don't have too much to tell you on that one. Uh, worth a shot to try and get a little bit of inside information. You talked about how you guys founded the Russian Heritage Network, but what was the kind of one event that put your network that's in the state now? What kind of propelled you off the ground? Um, like which one like that stood out the most? What event gained traction for you guys as a network that, you know, you guys rise in popularity and start moving forward? Yeah, I think it was the one. Honestly, they were all really good, but just because you guys are from Ontario and I'm in Ontario, but one with the least was really cool because it was a different one. So in, in its own sense, it was great. So basically we partnered up with Mikhail Grabowski. Obviously he played with the Leafs, a legendary player, Belarusian. So remember when I say Russian, it's Russian speaking for everyone. So Belarus is just as important. So what we did is the first step was we took this night and we created what's called a kid skate where I had kids in the community and I didn't care if they could, you know, not even speak a word of Russian. I said, learn a couple words. Hello, how are you? And then explain why you want to play hockey with Mikhail Grabowski. And so about like, you know, 30 kids in the community did it. We took their video clips and posted and said, hey, these are the kids that are going to be in the kidscape. And sure enough, we had this awesome kidscape where the kids came out, got learned from Grabowski. And it was the coolest thing ever. It's something that these kids will remember forever. I had parents come up to me, hugging me and say, thank you so much. We've done something so incredible for these kids. Then afterwards, the skate, we had this like little Russian potluck where the moms and stuff made really nice traditional food. And then the kids got to ask questions and the parents got to ask questions to Mikhail. And it was just like a really cool bonding, right? Like it just never happened. It was something that we just created out of nothing. So I would like to say, you know, thank you to him. Thank you to a guy named Blake Armstrong, another guy from Ontario. Simply amazing to help with all that. So the Toronto one was really cool because we had a box and basically Grabowski came to that too. And we had around 40 people. We had Russian caviar. So it was really cool. But it's different than other nights that's why i'm saying the other nights too are really great where people get a discounted ticket they get they can get a shirt like a nice rhn shirt they come there's like a russian dance and then after the game there's usually a group photo and so i've had ones with like you know teams like the red wings the avalanche new jersey devils every organization is really amazing and every organization is slightly different but you just meet some really great people from all around you know north america and working for these teams and i can't say nothing but great things such passionate people that go above and beyond to make these nights possible so i just want to shout out to them because they're the true heroes they have the hockey players on the ice and these guys off the ice are doing amazing work to make it all happen so hats off to them you know yeah that's awesome your organization has done countless events and great things for the community of hockey in general i just want to know if there's any either event interview whatever that may be to do with your organization that just sticks out to you and just that one moment that just nothing beats it you know we did one in la we had another kid skate we had valerie burry vitaly vishniewski and sergey krashakov of the box come out with and he, he brought his son right and so the kids skated together then we did the night in LA and I was like sitting with all these you know, legendary people. And I'm like thinking to myself, how cool is this? You know? And I had other moments where I used to try, you know, this kind of sounds funny, but I would bring my mom, you know, because I always want to make her proud. I'm like, well, I gotta make her proud somehow. So when we did the night in Calgary and we had the legendary alumni, German Titov come out and Calgary is phenomenal too, man. Amazing organization. So German Titov played for the Flames back in the day, one of the most legendary players. And he came with us. And after the fans, like, they're like, oh, my God, thank you so much for doing something for us. Like, they were just, like, so happy. And they were just like, yeah, like, they would come up to me and my mom and say, they tell my mom, like, you raised such a great, you know, young man that did all this for us. It's like, again, I was in, we do this on evenings and weekends. Like, we still have to work regular jobs. This is all, like, just off enthusiasm and hard work. And just shows that, you know, if you care about something, there's absolutely no excuse why you can't, like, make it happen. 
the best moments aren't material moments. The moments where you like you just feel super proud and you've impacted lives. And I think that was something that you know I'll always cherish. Wonderful moment. Completely well said. And I know you touched on it a little bit earlier on, but actually we'll get into that after. But with this pandemic, with this pandemic, everything's been obviously pushed to virtual and no fans on the arenas and what have you. But what are the ways that the network has been pushing on with its initiatives throughout the virtual age, the pandemic? And like, is there anything you guys have been doing virtual that, or you're going to be doing virtual for the upcoming playoffs, for the Olympics, even for the world championships that you can uh, discuss with us now? Yeah, like honestly, everything is virtual now. Like, do the you know the brand partnerships, obviously everything, everything is social media. So we had run some campaigns uh, with some of the players. So that's one avenue. But you know, right now, like I said, we're working on the 1972 Summit Series anniversary. We want to do something for locomotives. We do have something really cool in the works. I don't want to unravel it just yet. Like say where it is, but it's going to be cool. I'm working with some local guys here from Ontario as well. So try to keep it local as much as we can. But again, because you know. My other partners in Florida. So for us, local is like everywhere. But you know, what I mean, like we try to really find cool people in the, in the communities and get them involved. And another thing too is like I always try to get my friends involved because we all work and stuff, but we all have their passions and skills. And I try to get, I always like to uplift somehow, right? So if I'm able to create something, I like to share that. So it's awesome to see when I can help my friends, uh, people who reach out to me just to give back. I always believe paid forward. So it's a great opportunity to do that. But yeah, in terms of pandemic, it's tough because we can't do in-house events, which is what we love. Because of that, it forces us to think like marketing. That's where, you know, Steven comes in and it actually makes it into an actual brand, which is one of our biggest goals. It's like we want it to be like a real brand and something that produces world-class events all the time. That could be, you know, our own events. It doesn't have to be just, you know, theme nights. But we've done movie premieres, for example. Oh, great example. A really important one. We helped set up two movie premieres in North America for a film celebrating the captain of the locomotive team. So basically... We did one event within the Russian ambassadors in Israel, and we did one in Washington, D.C., and Captain Ivan, Ivan Tchitenko, you can look it up after, proper pronunciation. Amazing human being, gave back to me all the time, and basically, you know, getting his film out there into more audiences, I think that was so important because those stories can never be forgotten. These players, they, they're so meaningful. Like, we had their some of their wives come out to our Russian heritage nights, you know, the ones that locomotive players that are no longer with us. So by keeping their memory alive and keeping them in their hearts and minds, they live on. So I think that's something that's super meaningful and it's an honor, an absolute honor to be able to tell those stories and help set up movie premieres and things like that. And so we have another movie about the team that we're helping out right now. Truly love what you're doing. It's all really powerful and moving. I just want to ask you down the road, I don't know, five, 10 years, what are your long-term goals that you guys want to achieve as a network? If it's scoring a deal with the NHL, of some sorts or anything that you guys might be interested in yeah honestly like i love to see this league wide why because russian players have made such an impact to the nhl throughout the years they've really raised level hockey we look at ovechkin but look before that look to guys like pavel burry mcgillney Kutov. so many amazing players helped pave the way and russians gave a lot to hockey every nation pushes each other so russians had a big contribution to that right so and if you look at all the teams, there's Russian players on every team getting drafted more and more of them. So obviously there's something important here. And I would love to see it league-wide and to help because now we have other heritage nights and other things. But again, like no one really thinks about Russian-speaking people and it's like, oh, go under the radar. But, you know, these people, very hardworking people, quiet people, talented people. It would be so great if North Americans and other nations knew more about them than just what they see in the media. And then, oh, it's like, you know, Russian hackers. Well, that's it's like fake news, you know, it's not real. And it's better to see the how cool and how similar they can be because, you know, I wasn't one of the only Russian kids growing up 
in my youth and it wasn't always easy when there's another kid like you but we got to be with the, like the Canadian kids and we all love hockey and it's like you build all the friendships and realize hey we're all really the same and like, we can all share each other's stuff and I think it makes life fun you know it's inclusive it's fun and it teaches one another about you know the history and it should never be forgotten because to have a good future you still should know your history so you know where to go and to learn and stuff like that so I think history is a very important thing. All right. Well said. And honestly, an amazing organization with an even better mission. Clarence, we'd like to thank you so much for coming on the show. Absolute pleasure talking to you. My pleasure. Be sure to have you back in the future when everything that you guys are doing involving the Summit Series and anything else comes out. Yeah, for sure. And if you can tell your guests, just check out our you know, Instagram or Facebook. On Instagram, it's Russian Heritage Network. Facebook, it's still Russian Heritage Night. We have a LinkedIn page I just made. So, you know, the more it can grow, more people know about it. You know, I think helps yeah it's just a grassroots movement and hopefully you'll hear back and see what we uh, can do all right perfect and yeah like you mentioned the, the links to all your social media handles we will tag them all on our social media pages when the episode comes out and yeah thank you so much we hope you have a good one thank you so much take care take care we hope you guys enjoyed the interview absolute great guy to talk to and a great organization helping to bring the Russian community together, a community that, like he mentioned in the interview, a community that's tried to become more assimilated to the Canadian-American culture. All three of us are on the show are Italian. Actually, Alex is Italian and German heritage. And you think of Italians more like the stereotypes. It's pretty damn close to what they actually are. Like, we are more outspoken, like people that you want to say go fuck yourself to. But the Russians, they get, take, they get taken in a very bad light, it seems, at least from my experiences, with hearing like Russian stereotypes. And myself and Joey, we've both we were trained by a Russian uh, coach for years. Alex Cott, honestly, one of the best guys I've ever met in my life. And an organization like the Russian Heritage Network, it's great to see, uh, to help get the Russian community out more into the spotlight, just to help show them for who they truly are, the great people that they are. Anyways, moving on, the NWHL, they announced this week that they're going to be doubling their salary cap for next season to 300000 US, which is still stupidly low on a full team of 20 plus players. That's not a livable salary, but it is a great stepping stone to eventually getting higher and higher salary caps. And I was actually listening to the interview. Ron McLean interviewed Rene Fassel, the head of the IIHF, the first intermission Leaf game today. And he was talking about how they invest, I think, four million bucks the past couple of years into the women's game. And there's been support from the league, from the NHL, from I think the Leafs, had, the Leafs and the Rangers put in some monetary help there as well. And it's slowly but surely growing in prominence and growing towards the equality that should have happened years ago. This coupled with the new dates at the end of August for the Women's World Championships, it's just a great thing to hear like how they are starting to really help grow the game. Start with Joey this time, get uh, your take on the situation. Yeah, I think women's hockey has come a long way from the start, but it has way more to go. It's good that they've doubled it to, what did you say, 300,000? Yeah. Yeah, we've doubled it to 300,000, which is good, and it's obviously improvement you want to see, and it's a step in the right direction, and I'm happy to see the game grow. And especially with COVID this year, unfortunately, they weren't able to play as much as they'd like. But I'm excited for the coming years to see how much more this game can actually grow. And all the best to them, and hopefully it keeps growing. Yeah, you touched on it there, actually. It's a great step in the right direction for women's hockey. And the thing that's kind of going under the radar a little bit is they're doubling their salary cap in a pandemic year. So they're not getting the most revenue with having fans at games and through merchandise sales. But the fact that enough money is going into the NWHL and they're able to increase the salary cap, it just proves that the game is growing on the women's side and 
that this $300,000 cap is not going to be the ceiling for a long time. Rightfully so, it should increase. It's just a matter of time before it does. Well said, both of you. And personally, I do believe that with the proper help and the proper marketing to try and get the, the women's game out there to more people, because I know so many people who they never seen a women's game on TV or in person or whatever like okay granted i've never actually gone to see a women's game whenever it's on i watch it especially when it's a team canada game it's very high paced very skilled and it deserves a lot more recognition than it's getting and i'm glad that this is a good stepping stone but they're nowhere close to done and there's gonna be a lot of great things going on in the women's game in the coming future I wouldn't be surprised if that salary cap gets doubled again. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to 600 grand within the next couple of years, especially with the Olympics coming up in December. Anyway, so moving on to some NHL news. Rod Brendamore, he's on the final year of his contract with the Hurricanes. And that came out today on headlines. Elliot Freeman mentioned that though he wants to stay in Carolina, he won't sign a contract until they extend the rest of his coaching staff, his trainers, and the equipment staff. Basically saying, putting them all as a package deal, which honestly, good on him. I respect the hell out of him for doing that. So this puts a little bit of doubt towards whether or not he's going to be in Carolina next year. I still think he will be, but let's start the, uh, the insanity. If he leaves Carolina, where's he going? Because personally, I think he's going to go to Columbus. Once Tortorella leaves with a younger team, especially with a player like Line, I think that he'll be able to try and help that team rejuvenate and start to have fun playing like he did in Carolina, starting up more of a fun culture, especially in a more of a small market. Because Carolina and Columbus, they're not the biggest markets in the world. So I think he's a guy who can help the Blue Jackets get back to something that's better than what they had in the past because they've never had much in terms of winning ways. Like I think the furthest they made it was the second round a couple of years back after beating Tampa Bay. But I don't know. I think that if he leaves, I put my money on Columbus. You know what? I'm going to go in the completely opposite direction here and say that he doesn't go anywhere. Rob Brendamore, like you mentioned how Columbus and Carolina, they're not big market teams compared to the likes of Toronto, New York and whatnot. So it has to make sense for the Carolina ownership to not only sign Brendamore, but if that's one of his requests that all of his staff and equipment team is all right there with him, that they have to bring him back. I don't see any other coach that will go in, fill that spot, and do as well of a job as Brendan Moore has. He's taken them from one of the bottom teams in the league, and now they're top three in the league, and they're actual legitimate Stanley Cup contenders. I think if you are the Carolina owners, it'd be stupid to let them go. So I think they're going to have to open up their wallets a little bit and bring everybody back. Yeah, I agree with them all. It'd be completely foolish to let them go, especially when they're having the season they're having this year. Like I'm up touched on their contenders and why would you do anything, even if it doesn't work out this year, why would you do anything to break up a team like that? Especially from a front office standpoint, it'd be completely foolish and it goes all the way down. It starts in from the front office of the coaching to the players. Get rid of the coaching. That's kind of like the foundation of the entire team. You can't just drop Brendan Moore, bring someone new in and expect to have that same type of result. It just doesn't work, especially when a team and a coach blend this well together. But yeah, pretty much touched on everything. I completely agree with that. It'd be foolish for the front office not to extend them. I do agree, and it would be foolish for them not to extend the the whole staff, but at the same time, you have to think that, you have to take into account that the Hurricanes are a notoriously cheap team. I'm looking at, at Rob Brendamore's salary right now, and 
he's making 600 grand a season he's one of the lowest paid coaches in the league i know don waddell the gm i don't know exactly what he makes i'm gonna look into it right now but that whole staff behind the bench and uh, in the front office they're getting paid peanuts by comparison i'm not 100 percent sure don't quote me on that i'm not uh, on this i'm not trying to start any rumors but isn't that also why ron francis left the team because he's getting paid fuck all honestly i'm not really aware of why he left the team and i don't really know what the reasoning behind it was even through their cap friendly here of some of their players they're kind of rinsing some of these players that they got some of these guys are not getting paid nearly what they should be getting paid it all boils down to tom dundon the owner of the hurricanes because again this is going off my memory from a couple of years back especially when don waddell was getting extended because remember the monetary aspect was a big part of those negotiations which I cannot for the life of me find his salary. So it's just a matter of whether or not they can even afford him. Like regardless of whether or not they want to keep him, they need to be able to afford him. And if they can't afford him, their hands are tied. They shouldn't lose Rob Brindamore. There shouldn't be an issue there to re-sign him and his entire team. You have a cup contending team. And if you do lose him, you're going to lose a lot, a lot of fans and a lot of revenue down the road. You're uh, on their, uh, their cup-friendly just... page right now, right? Alex. Yeah, yeah. What's their uh, team cap hit right now? Team cap, 79.5 million. And does that include Patty Marlowe? I know he got bought out, so that contract, I, I'm not sure if it's, if it was just a one-year thing or two-year. No, not Patrick Marlowe. Alexander Semen, though, 2.3. This is the last year for him, though. That was a contract that was signed and bought out when Peter Carmanos had the team years ago. Didn't he have, like, a seven-year contract or something stupid that he got, and he got bought out after, like, two years? Trying to see here. Two years. Yeah, five years. Shit, seven million bucks a year, roughly, no? Yeah, seven. Jesus Christ. So many players who, like, they were these big stars. They signed these big contracts, and they just got bought out, and, like, no one remembers them anymore. Because I doubt anybody remembers Alex Semen outside of maybe, like, Capitals fans. I'm mm -hmm. curious, the amount of people listening to this episode who, as soon as uh, you mentioned Alex Semen, they just went, what the fuck? Who's he? Yeah, I know. He's not the most well-known guy in the league. He's been getting $2.3 million since 2015-16, and he's out playing in Russia right now. Is he still playing? Yeah, he's playing out in Russia. Shit. Yeah, this season, 40 games played, 19 points, minus 15. Boy, yeah, he's he's got to pick up his defensive play a little bit. <laughs> What team is he playing on? I might butcher this. VTS Podolsk. KHL. Interesting. VTS Podolsk? P-O-D-O-L-S-K. Jesus, I'm looking at their lineup right now. They got so many players who I can like completely forgot even played. I'm looking at, at their roster. They got Casper's uh, Dog Events. They got Matthias Tedenby, like... Salmon, like Jesus Christ. KHL is a goldmine for former NHL players. I mean, yeah. Like, there's a lot of good players that are still out there. You mentioned that. Even the guy like Brendan Leipzig. Remember him? Yeah. yeah with what was the, I was actually I was talking to a buddy of mine about this today. What's the situation behind Leipzig? Like, why did he end up getting kicked out of the league again? Comments he made about some guy's girlfriend calling her fat and shit. Oh, was that? Tanner Pearson's girlfriend? Ring right now. Tanner Pearson's wife made disparaging comments about the physical appearances of Canucks for Tanner Pearson's wife and Connor McDavid's girlfriend and called Capitals teammates Garden Hathaway and Nick Dowd losers. And look at I've him. been a part of a lot of hockey talk and that conversation was not bad by any means. I guess it's just because it's, well, he's taking shots at the golden yeah, boy, no, man. Connor McDavid. Not even, no, not even that. Like, if you're in a position like that, in playing professional hockey, you cannot be 
no, you have to have I mean, a little yeah, more respect. It's a little, wrong. it's different than a double A locker room, man. Come no, on, he was completely wrong. Um, you shouldn't have said what he said, but no matter how you look at it, compared to other conversation that goes down, and I'm yeah, I'm not in any hockey locker room. It's all yeah, the same so- thing, essentially. Yeah, and this isn't me saying this is okay. Like in all my experience playing, granted, only playing minor hockey, but. Like compared to what gets said in locker rooms, that's absolutely not, like not even close to the to the worst thing. Like it's yeah. worst kind no, of things. Yeah, you're right. Anyways, yeah, let's move off of that before the show gets canceled. All right, so moving on. This happened last week, and we just honestly ran out of time to talk about it. So might as well talk about it now. The Toronto Maple Leafs players, led by Jason Spezza, pulled together some money to help pay the salaries of their uh, AHL counterparts on the Toronto Marlies. Because if you look at it, unless you're signed on a one-way contract. You're making absolutely nothing on a salary because I think like a seven hundred thousand dollars salary, you only make league men. You on a two way deal, you make like thirty five to forty G's American in a season. So of that seven hundred, you're making say forty five. Yeah, roughly. Where does the rest of it go? It's a two way deal, so the team keeps it. Wow. Yeah. Well, good on all the Leafs, though. I mean, been a tough, challenging year for a lot of people, and when you have guys making. 11 million dollars i'm sure they feel a little guilty and help pay back some of their brethren down in the farm team so it's a good-hearted gesture by them big ups yeah exactly so the 45k or 35 whatever i said don't hold me on that exact number but it's roughly around that area because i don't know the exact number percentage wise that uh, your contract gets diminished and also i'm not 100 sure if the ahl is a game by game basis like if it's a prorated salary but like you mentioned great on the players for doing something like this to help out their brothers in the ahl a story that you love to hear i am not even close to surprised that spezza is the one that started and helped run that whole project great guy great gesture big veteran gesture eh? yeah that's kind of what you expect out of those guys hate to say but i don't know if some of the younger guys younger talents would have done that on their own without a little push no not a a chance in hell not a chance in hell and that's that's no disrespect to the guys like the the matthews no no, no. no disrespect at all but it just takes a certain type of player especially like a guy who's been around there forever take the grizzled vet exactly exactly okay and this is just a little side note as we're recording i'm watching the under 18 world championship game team canada against team belarus currently four to one and I couldn't catch the player, but there was like a beautiful through the legs play that the goalie just got a piece on it. Through the legs right in front of the net, uh, set up by Shane Wright. That guy is disgusting. That guy's going to be insane when he gets drafted. Is it either this year or next year? Not 100% sure when. Next year. Okay. That it, tournament's not even fair. It's I don't, not I really fair don't. I don't really want to talk about that at all. They're playing Belarus and Belarus, Sweden, and who's the other team? Not 100% sure. Latvia, I, just, I just saw I the game on Latvia. TSN. Yeah, I think it was Lafayette. It's, what a shit show. Like, God, proof's in the pudding. You know, it's no diss to you guys, but we just kind of kicked your ass. It's kind of the way it is. For, I don't know, Lafayette's forever going to have my respect when it comes to hockey after what happened in uh, 2014 at the Olympics. Can you refresh? I do not recall. Uh, one nothing, Canada won, I think it was one nothing after a goal like the last 10 minutes of the game. Oh, really? In, in the Olympics with the Crosbys, the... What wow. Shea Weber's the I cannot even Marshawn, remember. Marshawn Spurgeon. No, wasn't Mar- Marshawn wasn't in that. No. Bello, this was like eight years ago, nine years ago. We haven't talked about Buffalo yet, so waiting on that. Leading into the final topic of the night, we have two retirements to announce. 
Andrew Shaw, he uh, officially announced his retirement due to post-concussion symptoms and just not being able to get back on the ice from a health perspective. He finishes off his career with 544 games, 116 goals, 131 assists for 247 points, 573 pims. And from Belleville, Ontario, a good friend of Joey Walsh, a guy who we had on episode two, honestly a great career. The stereotypical Canadian guy, he was a little bit smaller. That guy was a complete workhorse and he, just, he loved to go and throw his weight around and just be a guy that all of his teammates can appreciate just from all the work that he does. He had a fairly good career. How many cups? Two or three? Great two cups in career. 10 years. Great fucking Two cups career. in 10 years. Two, cup, two, two cups in three years. In a 10-year career, I mean. But, yeah, uh, he played in the NHL. He won two Stanley Cups. He lived the life. Congrats, Jazzy. Enjoy retirement, buddy. He's got a chance to live out his childhood dream. And honestly, even though he's retiring at 29, it is terrible to hear that given the, his history with injuries and with concussions and all that he's done to help with concussion research. It's terrible to see his career finish like this. But when you stop and think about it, he had a great run. And all the best, Shazi. We'd love to have you on uh, the show anytime, anytime. I'm going to try and get in touch with him, see if he'd be willing to come on. And the final retirement to announce, legendary Buffalo Sabres goalie Ryan Miller announces at the end of the season... He He's going to be retiring from professional hockey. He had the privilege, let's call it, of playing for Buffalo for 13, 11 years. 0203 to 13 to the middle of 13-14. Yeah, 10 going, seasons. Yeah, going, and then going on to play half a season with St. Louis, play three seasons in Vancouver and four seasons in Anaheim. That guy, whenever wherever he went, he just never had any luck. American-born goalie. One of his better-known moments, getting scored on by Sidney Crosby, the golden goal of the 2010 Olympics. Yeah. Imagine being infamous for that, but... <laughs> well, forever being Canadian in history. <laughs> yeah, it's another great career. And I'd say without a doubt, one of the best American-born goaltenders we've ever seen. I'd say but... the best American-born goaltender. You, you think the best? Yep. Uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Well, yeah. Who can That's you make the, Who else could you make the argument for? Exactly. American? I can't oh, I don't think of like, I'm thinking of, like, I'm trying to think of an old, older guy, but I'm not sure, like, who's American. Jonathan Quick is there. Thank I mean... You. Yeah, quick as air. I'm looking at it right now. So the most games played by American goalies, John Van Beesbrook, number one, Ryan Miller, number two, Tom Barrasso, three, Mike Richter, four, Jonathan Quick, five, Craig Anderson, six. This is a very back subjective list, I'd say. Now that I look back at it, there's literally not been a lot of American goalies. Memorable, at least. Yeah. I, I think, think the most I memorable thought... will be Tim Thomas, I have to admit. Oh, yeah. five years. If we're looking at best, though, my pick, Jonathan Quick. I don't know. I'd have to say Miller or even a guy like even Van Beesburg. I'm going to go with Miller, honestly. I'm looking at the stats right now. Quick has more games than him, more cops on a better team, and knows just still more wins. I think overall, like, the greatest American-born keeper to ever do it. Well, Quick is still playing, though. He's not getting any younger, 35 years old. Not getting but, any, be- any uh, faster any, or any better. Any better either, but... You can still, you know, Los Angeles could have a good team within the next few years and you could still be their gatekeeper. There's a good chance to change the doubters' minds. Uh, we will have to see because eh, Jonathan Quick, he has had a great career up until this point. But I don't know. In terms of top American goalies of all time, I'd have to say Ryan Miller. I'd have to go Miller one with them, Beesbrook number two. Yeah, we're all entitled to our own opinions, right? Congratulations to Ryan Miller. Fantastic career. All the best to you. Exactly. And like you said, Joey, all the best. An amazing career, and I guess we'll see him in three years for his Hall of Fame induction. He is going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. There's no doubt in my uh, mind. Sure. Oh, yeah, 100%. Second best goal to win everyone a cup. Question Who's is, the... though, 
Okay. First, Robbie Lou. Oh yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Good, call. Good call. Yeah. Honestly, Joey, I completely forgot about that. I completely forgot that he never won a cup. Or uh, Luongo, because he won literally everything else. If yeah. If MTL doesn't get a fucking hit their head a shake, then make it drop to three. Well, then once again, he's won everything under the sun too, except a cup. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Uh, Luongo's gonna end up winning that cup in management. I feel like he's gonna have his name uh, on the cup. That'd be the highlight. Rightfully the so. The cup. You Luongo think about the, the amount of tweets coming after the <laughs> cup comes out. I can only imagine now. Oh, a hundred percent. No, but Luongo would be the type of guy he would win the cup as the general manager and go on Twitter and say all the other teams can go fuck themselves. We just won the cup. You think that was his mindset? Saying. I could still win a Stanley Cup. I just got to go into the management position. I think Luongo's mindset was I can get a lot more content on Twitter if I'm in management. He's uh, a funny guy, though. Absolutely. Oh, my God. Absolutely guy. hilarious. Forever going to be one of the funniest guys in hockey. Most and, definitely. Anyways, I think this is the better time than ever to end off this week's episode, episode 12 of Twigs and Twine. Again, uh, we'd like to thank Clarence Pollard for coming on the show today. And uh, we'd like to thank you guys all for listening if you made it this far on the Undrafted Sports Podcasting Network. And we'll see you guys all next week. Have a great week. Thanks, everyone. Take care.